welcome to MPP Soundbites. With its headquarters in Byron Bay, Fintech Split Payments is catching an early wave into open banking. In this MPP Soundbite, co-founder and executive director Adrian Kennedy explains how Split Payments combines the MPP with open banking and he makes a case for placing morality at the heart of future payments innovation. Thanks for joining me today, Adrian. It's my pleasure, Lisa. Split Payments describes itself as the world's first open banking, real-time payments platform. Can you explain how Split Payments is bringing open banking together with the capabilities of the MPP? Yeah, sure. Um, Look, I mean, when we started our journey, we didn't really understand what open banking was, but we knew that there were a whole lot of problems in account-to-account payments. So um, as we went on our journey, we realised that there are very real problems with things like bank account fraud and consent and dishonoured payments. As we sort of worked through those problems, we realised that we could, through open banking, create things like instant account verification, um, available funds pre-checks, and use data to sort of really um, hone in to prove people's identities, to help uh, people on their payments journeys and create some really good intelligence that we could pass on to our merchants, you know, real-time messaging that were going to enhance their customer experience. And where the MPP is really important is under the legacy clearing systems in Australia, the timeliness of data um, just isn't there. The NPP, on the other hand, being real-time and also um, updating bank ledgers in real-time ensures that the data that we will use in the future will be timely and relevant to make better decisioning outcomes. So how long have you been offering NPP-enabled services for now? Since the middle of the year, um, and the uptake has been quite incredible. We sort of probably didn't really understand the extent to which Uh, our MPP offerings were going to strategically enable our customers. And so the response has been really quite significant. And I guess the the key things there that our customers are finding is that we're providing not only cost transformation for them, but far better customer experience. And and that's actually becoming quite important to a lot of customers. Um, They're providing sort of differentiation through payments as part of their customer experience journey. And also, um, you know, it's enabling us to drive richer data, obviously, through the enhanced data sets that the MPP enables. So let's talk about one of your customers, which I know we've had profiled on MPP Australia's website. So you recently partnered with personal transport provider A2B to develop a real-time payout tool that's been described as a game changer. Can you describe how that tool works and how it uses the MPP? Yeah, well, that's a great example of um, a customer that has really enhanced their sort of strategic enablement through NPP because A to B obviously um, engages with a lot of taxi drivers and they had experienced real problems where they weren't able to pay their drivers on you know weekends and public holidays. And I think it was about two years ago that over Easter, there was about nine public holidays or something in a row where people were um, left unpaid for you know nearly two weeks wow. just simply because money couldn't be cleared. And so what A to B recognised was that not only did they want to pay their, their drivers uh, on those dates, but they also recognised that it would be a huge strategic plus for them to bring people through their network 
uh, if they could pay them at the end of every shift. And so basically the way A to B use MPP through split is uh, a cab driver will do their shift on a particular day. Once they've finished their shift and they clear their meter, that data is sent to A to B and that will outline the amount of money that that driver's paid. Split enables an MPP payment uh, which clears and settles to that driver um, within six seconds of, uh, of that particular message being received. So that's a real game changer for A to B. Um, it's seen them develop real growth in their business. It's also fantastic, obviously, for the drivers who, yeah. um, you know, are, are getting that um, enhanced cash flow. And, you know, the NPP at its core and what excites us about it is what it does for the economy when you can actually enhance that velocity of money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, looking more closely now at open banking, what kind of use cases have you seen emerge there? Yeah, look, probably one of the most exciting ones that comes to mind is a, a, a product that we power that Ilian owns called fit to pay And what that basically centres on is this idea of ethical collections. And that's where we use open banking to measure or see someone's capacity to pay. So, for example, a, a consumer might owe money on a utility bill. In the old days, you know, they'd be called by Ilian's call centre. They'd enter into a payment plan that they probably didn't think they could meet, but just to get the terror off their leg, they decided to agree to it. Um, and hence starts a fairly adversarial and fairly ordinary customer experience and also a fairly lengthy funding lag. What fit to pay attempts to do is empower the customer to actually determine what they think they can pay. And then when it comes time to pay, Split uses its open banking capabilities to then look into the account, see if the money's there, and then communicate with the customer to see if they actually can pay. And the consumer at that point, you know, if they're under financial stress, you know, they might have other bills they've got to meet, but generally speaking, they'll accept that they can pay it and will initiate payment. And what that's done is it's quite powerful because it's, it's caused cost transformation in Ilian's business but it's also um, provided a way better consumer experience. And it's also meant that the merchant it has a, a, a much uh, less of a funding lag because instead of it being a, a phone call, uh, which might be out of sync with the credit events of that consumer asking them for money, it's actually a real-time analysis of when those credit events are happening. And that's the real power of open banking is when you know data can be used uh, you know, in, in a way to... Um, assist and aid consumers for better outcomes. That's really where it sits. And you've also done some work with MoneyMe? Yeah. So MoneyMe um, is a publicly listed lender. And, you know, both Open Banking and MPP are providing real benefits for them. On the MPP side, the ability to be able to fund their consumers more rapidly is a real plus for them. And it might not seem it on face value, but there's a whole heap of problems that sit behind a lot of um, disbursement for lenders because once the loan management system approves a loan, the clock starts ticking, but the money might not get to the consumer under the legacy clearing infrastructure for two or three days. And so there's all these issues that arise in terms of how interest is calculated and how collections are made. And the MPP basically enables that to disappear um, and provide that better consumer experience that you know, once a loan is approved, within seconds, the money can be dispersed. On the collection side, 
again, what, you know, similar to the Yulin example, that ability to be able to collect money in a more meaningful way using data um, is obviously where open banking comes in. But I guess what people are seeing as well is that there's significant competition around credit events for consumers and the payment of bills and collections of loans, etc. Once the MPP evolves and, and has uh, the mandated payment service, those collections can become a lot more meaningful and a lot more relevant. By using open banking, we'll see less failed payments in the system is, is our belief. Mm. Um, because, you know, unlike the current file exchange systems where, you know, you're submitting files um, at a particular exchange point and hoping that, that the money might clear, um, under the MPS, funds and available balances will be able to be checked and payments will be able to make, be made in real time. And that's, that's an absolute game changer for businesses that are, that are trying to um, collect money. It's, um, it's really interesting seeing or hearing these use cases come to life after reading about the concept of open banking for so long. What other kinds of innovation do you think we're likely to see and who do you think will be the winners and losers in open banking? I think a lot of that um, depends on how we as a society place open banking. I think if you put morality at the centre, the outcomes will be phenomenal. And we won't see sort of really winners and losers. We'll just see winners. And I think the innovations that, you know, it'd be naive of me to even try to predict what open banking might bring because, you know, when we started our journey into open banking, we couldn't have even conceived half the things that we're doing for people. So I think like all great um, ideas and all great infrastructure. It's 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 the the basis of it centres on enablement, um, and provided that you know again morality is at the centre and and not profit, it, it, it will provide some incredible outcomes. I mean we we've got to remember like Australia still has a significant number of people who are unbanked, um, so I think the financial inclusion uh, capabilities around um, open banking are significant, and I think that in time you know, we'll see some, some really great social outcomes flow from it. So the MPP has been described as being key to unlocking the possibilities of open banking with the mandated payment service, which you touched on earlier on. In particular, it will be important to delivering third-party payment initiation or right access. What opportunities do you see for split payments there? Where I think the future is in payments is is around this concept of a guaranteed payment and that's where you know you've basically got three pillars one is the identity of the person the second is their consent which obviously centers around the mandated payment service and the third is the settlement risk um, which obviously centers around the basic infrastructure of the MPP so we're we're sort of seeing this amazing opportunity for you know, account-to-account payments to become the most trusted payment because it will enable people to connect through open banking, their identity, associate it with a bank account, associate it with a consent. Um, And, you know, from the merchant's point of view, um, we can eliminate that settlement risk as the final leg. If you think about um, e-commerce and all these different realms where the, you know, payments can often interrupt the flows of business, um, whether it be warehouse logistics or things, you know, trying to get products outdoors and, and, and so forth. 
Once you get to a point where you can actually say to a merchant or you know, send them a message in real time, say, hey, we've got this money, we've identified the customer and we've got their consent, then there's no chargeback risk, there's no settlement risk. You know that the payment is authentic or authenticated. That's incredibly powerful. And I think that's where we should be trying to go as a country. What are those pain points that your customers experience that will be important for the NPS to focus on solving? Consent and particularly digital dynamic consent solves a lot of problems around payment authentication. And obviously the mandated payment service provides a centralised source of truth for which consents can be stored and, and activated and used. That is a really significant thing. And, you, you know, you use the case example, you know, a merchant that might be about to go into liquidation, goes and debits someone multiple times or without authority, that results in all sorts of losses through the payment chain, um, ultimately vesting to the payment service providers and the banks. And I think the MPS really um, helps solve those problems. So, so, you know, we've seen firsthand how, you know, consent, the way that we have it digitally, uh, every payment that we have is checked against the consent rather than it being some form that someone signed six months ago that sits in a filing cabinet that really isn't connected to payment initiation. Mm. And that's the exciting part. I think if we can have this uh, a national system that um, provides that strong authentication, again, it can only be a benefit. Well, Adrian, I've enjoyed our chat today. And yes, I probably am a bit jealous of your location up there in Byron, um, but it's been good to chat. Uh, so thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Lisa, and thank you for, for having me. And um, look, on behalf of Split and the many other businesses that the MPPA enables to provide better experiences for merchants and consumers. We'd really like to thank you for that and wish the NPPA all the best in continuing to build what is a really important roadmap for the country and also thank them for their continued commitment to openness of both access and contribution by partners to, to that roadmap. So all the best to the NPPA as it moves forward on its journey. Thanks, Adrian. Pleasure. If you'd like to read more about the mandated payments service, visit nppa.com.au and click on the mandated payments service box on the homepage. page.